everybody, and hello, humans. It is time for Not a Robot's DC Comic Review Show. This tangential trio of capricious comic book connoisseurs have returned once again to talk all about this week's latest in DC Comics. My name is Josh, and as always, my co-hosts, Anthony. What up, everybody? And Reed. Cowabunga, my dudes. Are with me to divulge, dissect, and discuss nearly every issue that DC puts out. In this episode, we are reviewing Batman Annual Number 5, Justice League Endless Winter Number 2, Tales from the Dark Multiverse Dark Knight's Metal, and Death Metal, The Last 52 War of the Multiverse. If you want to talk about, debate, answer, laugh at, correct, or otherwise comment on anything we say or have said, there is the contact form at notarobotpodcast.com, and we always write back fast. We are also on Twitter at Not A Robot Show. Anthony is at WaltGator93 and Reed is at PGH underscore Reed. We all do answer our show mail set into Not A Robot Podcast at gmail.com, so you can always write us there too. Just as a reminder, we are doing a giveaway for all of our Patreon members, new and old. A $25 gift card will be given to one lucky human, uh, chosen from our Patreon supporters. You can get in on that now for just a dollar a month. We are choosing the winner January 7th, and it will be announced on the following podcast. In addition to that, you'll also get access to all of our podcasts and all the exclusive content that we have there, including access to the upcoming Not A Robot comic movie review show. Alright, now is the time to say a big huge thank you to the people who help us support the podcast. They help us by subscribing to our Patreon. Some of them, again, for as low as a dollar a month, so that we can make sure to keep bringing you more and more content. This is the Not A Robot anti bebop must be a human shout-out and roll call, and that shout-out goes to our current human, Weird Science Jim, Hollister, Torpedo Face, and Rotch Crockett. A big salute to all of you, and an even bigger thank you. So what are you waiting for? Sign up and show us you just might be a human after all, and get a shout-out on the Not A Robot anti bebop must be a human roll call. Alright guys, it is the last episode of the year, so let's just go ahead and get to it. We will start things out with Batman Annual Number 5, priced at $4.99, written by James Tynan IV with art by James Stokoe. The letters are uncredited, but I think it's Clayton Cowell. The cover was illustrated by Derek Chu. Batman Annual Number 5 is titled The Origin of the Clown Hunter Revealed. That couldn't be more spot on. The entire issue is dedicated to Clown Hunter, what helped create him, and what he's been through, and where he's at now. The story begins with some random punk, thinking it's a good idea to mug Dr. Leslie Tompkins, who is a longtime bat Batman ally and doctor who has dedicated her life to running a free clinic to those in the worst of conditions. One of the people that she's saved, Big Henry, steps in and scares the mugger away. Or would-be mugger, that is. Dr. Tompkins thanks Big Henry and then goes to walk into the clinic and sees Clown Hunter watching from a rooftop above. Guys, Big Henry. Can we get... <laughs> I, I need to get more of Big Henry in my life. Tell me he's somewhere. Is this? Is he a new? Is he new? He's brand new, as far as I'm aware. I've never seen him before, yes. but Big Henry likes Big Henry. 
All right. I got my spec script already working. I'm going to send it off to DC. <laughs> Big Henry has been going to Dr. Tompkins' anger management classes, so Big Henry doesn't break bones anymore. Big Henry just tells people he will. <laughs> I like Big Henry. <laughs> so as she walks in through Hell the yes. door, uh, Clown Hunter decides that he's going to enter through a window, a closed one. <laughs> she first assumes that it's Harper Red. Rowe, also Red. known as Bluebird. Uh, he does apologize for bleeding everywhere. Um, so, I mean, I gotta give him that. He's got glass sticking all over in his arm. I don't know why he crashed through the window, but he did. Um, he apologizes for bleeding all over the place before telling her that Batman told him he should go to see her if he needs help. We find out that that offer happened a couple of months ago later on. Dr. Tompkins asks what she can do, and his response is that he wants the world to make sense. We are next given the flashback that shows us what brought on the creation of the Clown Hunter, the death of Balfam's parents at the hands of the Joker, and Batman's refusal to put an end to the Joker once and for all. The Joker and Harley show up after a night of robbing jewelry stores, and they want some food. The family cooks for and serves them, and then when they're finished, Joker tells Harley to go wait in the car as he finishes up the bill. That's when the family tries to give it to him for free, and they even wish the Joker well. Joker's response to that is to leave a tip for Bao. He kills his parents with Joker's ga gas and tells Bao, parents only get in your way, kid, trust me. So Batman shows up afterwards while the, policeman, uh, while the police department is canvassing the scene. He's speaking with Bao. He hands Bao a batarang and Batman tells him that while he has many tools he uses, his best ones are the people of Gotham. Batman then makes a promise to Bao that he will do something about this. Time goes on, years go by, and Bao only gets angrier and angrier as the Joker continues to exist. Finally, the Joker war came to his front door. Gang members threw on clown masks and destroyed the streets and tortured the people. An old woman that Bao knew is set on fire, and that is final straw. He goes into the house and begins to construct his outfit. He attaches the batarang to the Batman, uh, the batarang that Batman gave him to his baseball bat. And for those who aren't aware, this is now confirmed comic, comic. And for those who aren't aware, this is now confirmed comic canon that it is referred to as the Bat Bat. Thank you for that, James Tynan. I loved it. <laughs> Um, in and around retelling his origin story to Dr. Tompkins, he also shares where his sense of confusion comes from, why the world doesn't make sense. He believes in killing the clowns, finding all of them, even the ones who took the masks off and went back to acting normal. Yet, when he had the chance, he didn't kill Harley Quinn. She's not just a clown, she's the clown that was with the Joker the night his parents died. Although it's never been stated, it does seem that Baofam has some developmental or mental issues. I've long thought that. There's that big, huge scar on his head. The way that uh, all of his uh, fonts are always presented in the lowercase. There's something, you get the impression that he's speaking very softly. Um, all of this, it fits the character of Clown Hunter really, really well. So he let Harley go, and now he feels like he may also be a part of the problem. So how does Clown Hunter do the right thing now if he might be part of the problem? And that's where his existential crisis is at. The doctor has the answer. She brushes it aside, essentially, by saying that there are no rules. There is only now and tomorrow. 
She then invites him to come to the anger management classes that she hosts as her assistant, not a client. So that gives him a way to help people in his community and also be there, you know, under the tutelage of Dr. Tompkins. So I really enjoyed this story. It was a really good look at the working with the clown hunter, the mechanics of his mind. That part was easy for me. What often made a page hard for me was the artwork by Stoko. I know this guy is famous and I know a lot of people like him. He is just not to my taste by any stretch of the imagination. There are some pages where his art is absolutely great. I will give you that. But there are others that felt as though it was left less than a half-hearted attempt. Um, Every panel that the Joker was featured on is an absolute nightmare, but by no means in a good way. The art choices in many places pulled this score way down for me. I would have given it an 8.5, but I gave it, I, wow. I dropped it all the way down to a 7 because of it. What did George. you guys think? George, you... Well, okay. So, here's the first thing. If you hated the art, oh, you know what that means. Your boy is in it. I love this song. I know. It's so cool. <laughs> I did too. Enjoyed it. <laughs> is crazy i think it's a it's a great way especially to like see through bow's mind basically this is all coming from bow you know bow's perspective so it's as kind of weird and twisted as he is um i don't know i i i, I overall enjoyed this one but i gotta say the fact that harley left before all the killing so like they gave harley a like moral out in this situation i mm-hmm. feel like it's kind of is kind of baloney because like she has now has plausible deniability so that like makes her character better okay 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 it's a a i get it but at the same time to move it along yeah yeah basically um but all that aside i i really enjoyed uh, this this outing i wasn't sure what to expect uh, when we got started, and I was certainly taken aback by the art. I, I did not expect to see that when I opened up uh, this Batman book, especially after the cover, which looks so... Uh, I don't know. It, it looks like so like tactile, like an oil painting, and then you get it inside, and it's like a uh, a crazy cartoon, which I'm into. I think it fits the theme of the story, but it there's certainly some uh, stylistic dissonance. Uh, that being said, I I, I did kind of like the intro into the parents. That that Joker scene I think is like quintessential kind of like Joker scary, where he's just offhand and like casual about it. Um, and you're right that those scenes with the Joker and when the the parents get nightmare ga- or, uh Joker gassed is certainly some nightmare fuel. Uh, don't don't show this one to the kiddos. <laughs> No, um, that's for sure. But I think I'm gonna. And I, think I will, I'm, give I'm it, not handing uh, on the depiction of the character. The, they got the characters right. I mm-hmm. just solely with the art. That's my only only problem, especially with that Joker. He I just could looks see that crazy. It, he does exactly what you hate about it is what I love about it. And I think this is certainly like down to taste. If you're not, if you don't like this guy's work, then like, okay, this one you don't need it. Um. But for me, I'm going to split the difference between where it would have been for you and where you did score it, and I'm going to give this one a solid 8 out of 10. I think I'm going to be right there with you, V. Um, I enjoy the art. Um, I don't think we need We did not need a full-length issue of his whole origin story, but somehow I it was a great issue. Um, it, it went by very fast, actually. Like, there wasn't a lot of dialogue. It was, like, 
just straight to the point. Nothing was unnecessary in the issue itself. Yes, the issue itself is unnecessary as a whole, but nothing in it didn't felt need, unneeded. But I really enjoy the issue. Love the artwork. It just fits his, his vibe a little bit. Yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah, I give this a 8.5 out of 10. Ooh, you guys both more than a pie. <laughs> it's unnecessary, mm. but yeah, it's enjoyable one. I see that 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 makes sense. I, I like that unnecessary but enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, this one gets a boost for me because I love the on the street level um, perspective because I feel like we miss that a lot with with uh, oh, uh, in mm-hmm. this universe. Everything's up in the clouds, rooftop level. We never see down in the, in the bottom. And that portrayal of the Joker War, I can understand why he like went crazy because like are you like are you kidding me? These people are nuts. They're like literally burning people alive, and Batman's like, no, don't kill them. Like what? Yeah, I <laughs> if mean, this is your everyday. You definitely I mean, get a chance to sympathize where the kid is coming from. Who he he? I believe he says he's seventeen. He, that's a bit older than I thought. Yeah, he was. yeah. I assumed he was around fourteen Same. the way that he was drawn, but um, okay, seventeen. So he has a chance at like possibly kicking the hell out of these guys especially with a battering at the end of a bat um, makes it a little bit more believable for me but I wish we got more of these issues during the Joker War like just tie in issues of just like yeah. him Hopper a few other people are just how they doing on the street level like show us the yes. chaos because you're saying like we see more of the like from the Batman's perspective let's see somebody else's perspective and see the real damage because we didn't really see much we like we read about the damage, but we didn't see much of the damage from his goons. So supposedly, that's the kind of direction that the Batman books are going to somewhat take after Future State. We're going to get. Oh. We're going to be. Um, we're going to be grounded because he's uh, broke. Yeah, more grounded because he's broke. We're going to be bringing in more of the family. Harper is definitely coming back, yep. and her brother. Um, Especially with punchline. Yeah, so there's there's going to be. Hopefully a much better fleshed out, more grounded Batman universe where everything isn't solved by a magic bat. I'm not saying that I didn't enjoy a bat bat. The, uh, <laughs> right. I'm not saying that I didn't fine. enjoy the crazy bat uh, bat universe stuff that Tynan was continuously pumping out throughout his run. And, you know, all the goofy things that he's always had. But it will be nice to see it get get back to a more gritty detective level story. What was between, the way that uh, you... the alley? Oh, I'm oh, sorry. I was just gonna say between the uh, like the alley cats and this new kind of neighborhood of Gotham, I, I would really like to see us like expand into those neighborhoods a little bit more. Kind of like on the Marvel side, where there's like a a whole cast of characters in Hell's Kitchen. I, I would love to see you know this nurse character and Bao maybe like interacting on a more kind of personal Catwoman level. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be that would be kind of fun. I'd like to see that. There, there doesn't seem to be a, a direction for Harley after uh, a, future state. after Wait. future state that that I'm aware of. Uh, Poison Ivy is coming back. She will be a complete villain, so that's not going to be on Harley's thing because Harley has completely gone good guy. So um, maybe we will see that. I mean, we've got Clown Hunter um, out in the universe. We've got Live Shot. We've got the Alley Cats, but those are more under um, Catwoman's purview. Uh, but I mean, there there are there is a younger crowd that's just a little different than your typical junior superhero. And I mean, maybe that's a direction we'll see Harley going in. 
Mm-hmm. Kind of like a Kamala Khan uh, kind of situation. Exactly. I, I'd love to see that. that. Would, I mm-hmm. think it would be cool. How how did you describe this book earlier? Unnecessary but enjoyable? Yes. That, that just about sums it up. And you know what, though? I think it also sums up the next book that we're going to cover. The next book being Justice League Endless Winter Number 2. Priced at four ninety nine, written by Ron Mars and Andy Lanning, with art by Carmine de Jan Domenico and Howard Porter, uh, Marco Santucci, Hi-Fi, and Arif Prianto. That's both in the main story and in the flashbacks. Troy Petiri and Andwell Design took care of the letters in both segments, and Miko Yannon did the cover. And that really surprises me because this is probably my least favorite cover from The Endless Winter, and Mikko Yannon is one of my favorite artists, so that really surprises me. But, uh, Reed, you want to walk us through Endless Winter number two and wrap up this saga? Absolutely. Endless Winter. An idea of Armageddon that's popular in many different forms and stories, taking shape in a multitude of ways. This iteration of a final ice apocalypse draws to a close as the final mysteries of the Frost King and the 10th century justice league have finally brought to light and the final battle for earth begins um, so we head back to stag industries uh where we saw in the last issue uh, the frost king attacked and uh stag in all of his wisdom shot him with a krypton powered ray that gave him ultra super mega powers and uh basically uh is like a gave him a reader repulsa wand and increased him uh 20-fold <laughs> Luckily, though, uh, Batman had been watching all of the different stag industry bases, and um, the Justice League comes through and does a quick battle. But it's just another ice avatar, and it it uh, ice teleports out of there. I don't know how it does, but it vanishes, taking the family uh, of Olafson uh, with them in that crazy Kryptonian ice. Uh, fortunately, Batman can plant planted a tracker on there though and they know exactly where they've gone and it is uh where everything started the original dig site where they revealed him he's gone back uh, into the ruins in the fortress of solitude with his family um and the justice league follows um with a <laughs> they, they've got a hybrid swamp thing viking prince um that i've been calling swampkin prince uh, he does battle with that giant Kryptonian field ice giant while Superman and Black Adam square off over how best to deal with the situation. Uh, Hippo, <laughs> this one, this, this name, guys, Hippolyta we've been doing a lot of Wonder Hippolyta. Woman lately, but you can do either na- either Hippolyta. version. I think completely acceptable. Yeah. Well, I, I get, I get stuck on one when I'm, I'm trying to say one and I end up saying the other, but Hippolyta, let's go with that one. And Batman, they attempt to reach uh, out and reason to the still human Edmund Olafson, who's been trapped in the ice uh, in a kind of stasis this whole time. And while he was down there, I guess uh, these Kryptonian crystals or something kind of snuck in there and gave him a power boost. Um, Real eventually, quick, we're, we're it, at this yes. part where we get to see um, him kind of sort of as the Frost King, um, but still mm-hmm. in his human form. And I think that this must have been where they got the inspiration for the guy that we saw at the end of the Justice League Dark run that forecasted him. That was kind of I more been... 
yeah. tall and narrow. Unfortunately, we never got to see that guy, but I think this yeah. is the closest thing we ever get to him. I thought I saw cool, someone else say that that guy is actually supposed to be like um, in a future story, and like um, either a future state or post future state. Oh, really? What well, they've been bringing I in? I haven't of, seen um, that yet. That's interesting. That makes sense, too. They've been bringing in a lot of um, Norse-related stuff, especially with this Endless Winter, a lot of Odin stuff mm-hmm. in, in this one, uh, especially with Viking Prince and Valhalla. They talked about Valkyries in the Justice League Dark. So I'm wondering if been, they're that... Uh, there's your Jormunger that's been featured in the uh, in Tom Taylor's Deceased book. That was a huge, huge location throughout Jormungar. that entire thing. Um, there was the Midgar uh, Serpent. There was a couple of one-off, one-shot digital first issues where they fought um, ancient Norse or Viking bad guys too. So, yeah, you're right. It is really popping up a lot there, Reed. I wonder what that's all about. So I'm thinking. Here's my thinking. That guy could be a couple of different people, especially in Norse mythology. There was a whole kind of raven thing. So Odin is always in the mix. I'm thinking it's more likely maybe like a Loki situation or maybe a DC Loki variant, something along those lines. Um, Loki, but yeah, I was Loki a little disappointed that that didn't mythology. come back, even to get us give us another little teaser. You know, throughout this whole endless winter, they gave it to him right up front and then never really came back to it. Uh, but hopefully, well, if it, you yeah, guys are I'm right, and see- that is Loki, and it's a it is a new character that we're going to see in a future story. I'm super excited. I hope I hope you guys are right. I would love I love Norse stuff, so I I would love to see another take on that. Now there there is a uh, sorry we're on a tangent here, but we're talking about Norse stuff, so buckle Figure. up. <laughs> there go, is guys. a kind of. Not a lot of Norse in traditional, like, kind of DC, you know, it's mostly Greek because they have such such success with Wonder Woman and the like. Um, But um, there is some Thor and Odin stuff, especially in, you know, kind of the Vertigo DC gray area. A lot of uh, some Constantine has had dealings uh, with Odin and Thor and stuff like that. So. I don't right. know. I'm 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 excited to to kind of mer- see where that would be emerge up, especially in a future state world. Because if we can get into some Sandman stuff back in the main arc, now that Constantine is kind of just a frontline character, which I'm excited to see uh, delving into his his me kind too, of back story a little bit. Um, but anyhow, so back to Endless Winter after my endless tangent. Um, <laughs> we were all guilty. Hippolyta eventually convinces uh, Olafsson to, to kind of give up and try to reclaim his humanity because Black Adam is finally taken out of the picture by Superman, who if he just stopped trying to kill this guy for five seconds, this might have all been avoided in the first place. Um, Thanks, Black Adam. And, right. One job. Uh, now... <laughs> there, there is a very cool set piece. This is all kind of happening simultaneously with the ice giant. Um, Aquaman arrives with his frost, uh, no, excuse me, fire trolls. And Green Lantern does one of the, like, the funniest and best bits I've seen <laughs> probably of the year. This is my favorite move. He puts a bunch of the fire trolls inside of a... Uh, a uh, World War II bomber construct and drops them onto the ice giant. And they kind of do like a little Superman pose and fly through them like missiles. That's great. 
I thought that part was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> when well, I just saw them and that all played little lined up, man, I'm like, yes, this is great. What, what a way to use frost or fire trolls. Okay, but so now the endless winter uh, has reached its end, uh, as our own winter is just beginning, which I think is kind of a cruel little trick by DC to do to us. But <laughs> overall, this <laughs> issue is wrapping up. Uh, and the series ended with a bang and a relatively satisfying end. Uh, the pacing was well plotted and keeps the story and action moving at a good, pl- good clip, hardly slowing until the prologues. Um, the art is impressive where the action is concerned. And at the halfway point, we get a we get a style switch. Uh, I think both are well executed, really like vibrant colors and huge sweeping set pieces. Uh, my, one of my favorites is it has interesting panel layouts uh, all through the book. My only gripe is there's kind of um, some lumpy faces on the back end, especially with with the ladies. Uh, there's kind of a little smush face. I think we talked about this last time. But um, overall, this run has been really entertaining, if not entirely exciting, and kind of wishing the format would have been slightly different, especially the 10th century portion, I, I feel like was overall much more interesting than the current day events contained in you know three quarters of those books. Um, that might be why it was spread over the nine different parts to kind of help push those books out as opposed to being in its own like uh, short series or one shot. Um, that being said, if you enjoyed playing in the snow this endless winter, then head out and grab this issue before you are left out in the cold. I'm giving this one a 7.5 out of 10. Cool. I read this issue today as I was waiting for my car to get done for the oil change. Still there. I came home early. Um, and I was thinking about, oh no! What do I think of? I know Endless some soil change. Hopefully, it gets done soon. Um, but I was thinking, what do I think of this issue of this whole story, this nine issue story that we they had great issues by themselves, but again, as a whole, this is not going to be nine issues long. This even this issue by itself, I feel as a it was just weird how all of a sudden we had the Just League fighting back action, but we don't really see much of that in the past. I just, I like how we do bring back on the Aquaman story that comes back over here. I wish a little bit piece and pe- bits and pieces of all the other stories came into this story as well. To me, like, oh, now this wasn't this issue. This issue was in this issue. Okay, now I know why it was nine issues. No, this does not need to be nine issues long. This event could have been four issues, one each week. Bam, done. I felt as if the whole swamp thing at the last issue was a huge cliffhanger. It looked beautifully done, but yet it was just not. It wasn't much power here because he even said, oh, man, he's stronger now. Oh, so you're useless. Cool. Okay. (laughs) What's next now? Okay. Um, the I liked the art at the beginning. Uh, by the end, not so much. Um, it was definitely not took me out for a second. The cliffhanger at the end. It's you're not gonna like set up anything. At least make it be like a happy ending. Make something resolve. But no, we just see Shazam or the the main Shazam wizard putting Black Adam away. I'm like, 
okay, this is how we're ending the book. Like, maybe I'm missing something in those words. No, that's when maybe Black like, Adam was sealed up all the way up until when he was released again to save the world. It just makes no, like, that, I feel as if that was a weak ending to, to, the, to the book. Um, I have one more thing. The dialogue is pretty good. The, I, this is a nitpick and all. I just love how, like, um, John Stewart and Bobo are just putting up Christmas ornaments. Where like, hey, um, John, you want to come to my house for Christmas? Sure. And Bobo's like, I'll come. Oh, cool. Thanks. Yeah. Yes, because I want you to there too. I just love well, how, like they threw him an invite like after the fact. Yeah. They're like, oh my god, it would mean it would mean so much if you came over to Thanksgiving or like Christmas with us. We've been really wishing you and only you. And then Bubba's like, oh, well, I mean, I guess. Like, oh, I mean, like, come, I guess. Yeah, sure, come. It'll be fun. Like, what? His face come is on, like man. great. He kind of, oh, you pretty much can't in. do my boy like this. He pretty much Bobo, himself. He's a detective. Poor Bobo. <sighs> He's like, I bring the booze. Like, great. My yeah, now he's going to get, mind. like, overly Call drunk because he feels awkward. <sighs> he's going to spike the eggnog, and then it's going to be bad. He's going to puke and sleep in the tub you or guys, something. You guys didn't know that that's Bobo's. You didn't know that that's Bobo's secret. He's always drunk. What? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, from what we've seen, he's always like us. Yeah. Uh, what did you give this one, Anthony? I got, You're a sentient detective got, chimp in a... In a man's world. I mean, he owns the Oblivion Bar. He, you know. Mm-hmm. Makes sense now. I gotta give this a 5.5 out of 10. I... <sighs> All right. Those of this could yeah. have up a lot better. All right. 5 out of 10. So we're back to the kind of issue that we were getting where the... Uh, we got a lot of dialogue going on. Not too much to read, but... It gives the characters a lot to say, and unfortunately, while the voices are all very true to the characters, um, the, the, the dialogue is a little generic. Uh, for the story, it can be, but I feel like there could have been a put into it. Um, I am not a Howard Porter fan. Um, everybody that he draws looks like they were smacked in the face with a smo- snow shovel. But the uh, Juan Domenico... Um, although not the normal artist for the flashback, uh, I think that they knocked it out of the, um, or excuse me, Juan Domenico helped Howard Porter, my bad there. Um, Santucci still did the flashbacks, but I think that, um, it, it looks better than normal Howard Porter does. Um, uh, I really, I really liked Giant Swamp Thing. I thought that that was cool. Seeing Giant Swamp Thing was pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. uh, overall, though, oh, yeah. um, the story was it was a little bit better than a comic book. It was it was a good fun read, standing on its own. I think that if you collected all of these issues into a trade and you and you sat down to read it, it would not feel like you sat down to read nine issues. It would go by fast. It would go by. It would it would be a much more enjoyable read in a trade. But I didn't review this in a trade. I reviewed this as a single issue. Um, that being said, I am going to have to rate this one a 7 out of 10. Ooh, nice. Positive. Yeah, I, I kind of, I had a, I had a, a hard time kind of separating this issue from the series itself because I, I, I did, I do kind of have sour feelings, uh, mm-hmm. t- towards this event. Um, but this issue, I feel like, lumpy faces aside, um, I, I feel like this one, 
is like the best of them. Uh, it's certainly like I, I think the arc should have been switched and maybe had the second half and the front half and the front half and the back half. But that's just stylistic on my part, though. I I just wish it uh, um, the rest of the series was a little bit better. So I, what I was going to say is pose the question. Excuse me. Uh, what would you guys rate this event itself, Endless Winter, as an as as is not now? For me, I wish that well, I could have just had a full issue or two, like a giant size issue or something like that, of just a tenth century stuff and like live in that world mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, but I, because I, I, I feel like that kind of drags me down. The other stuff was just kind of boring, like throwaway filler so i'm personally i'm i'm gonna put this one at like a 5.75 out of 10 i i love the 10th century but it, it just dragged the rest down for me all right now what if dc for all the panels that had all that stuff they put in its own issue for 499 would you buy that oh absolutely Give, give me a big, give me a big one, and char- charge me like seven, like five ninety nine. I'll still buy it. We have, they have enough um, panels to make it be a legit good size um issue with nine. Uh, uh, yeah, complete issue. We had nine issues of stuff they can chop up. What would you rate it if you know? As what would you rate the whole story arc with the conclusion issues? Uh, I think I'm gonna give this whole story arc. Because my biggest gripe is because how long it was. It was all necessarily the story itself did not need to be nine issues. That's a huge mistake right there. Um, and because most of almost all the issues besides the first issue and this issue, they had their own stories outside of it that didn't really have much to do with the whole story as a whole. I uh, give this yep. a five out of ten. It was. Yeah. Like that's my biggest issue. Great idea. Is like they do have like by themselves, they're good stories. But when you think of them as a whole, like mm-hmm. for the Teen Titans, cohesive like, event. Yeah, it, it wasn't very cohesive at all. I the the only thing that was cohesive was like ice monsters. It's cold. Yes, Joshua the Aquaman. Well, like like we were talking about throughout the entire coverage of of this arc. Uh, we were getting a lot of individual stories, so we knew that everything was going to get tied up in the last issue. We kind of knew that going into it. You know, you kn- you know that as a reader. Um, I wouldn't say that this is the best uh, story arc that's been put out in a while, but I will say that it was the art choices that dragged that down for the majority. I only really and tru- truly enjoyed the art throughout the entire issue. Um, in part seven in Justice League Dark, I thought that art was fantastic. I believe that was a Monkey and Walpin. Yeah, that was cool. And um, Jun Jun Chung, but um, in any case, that, that the rest of them kind of left me eh, except for the tenth the tenth century stuff, the Marco Santucci stuff. But that was a minimal part of the issue, you know. Um, yeah. The the story though, um, you know, art aside, the story, even though the the dialogue was a little generic at times, the story was entertaining. It was at times it really pulled me in because I wanted to know what happened with the Frost King, you know, and his family and all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
didn't get the best resolution, but we did get, you know, did get one put to bed with all, you know, every string knotted up into a pretty little bow. So not the best one, but I would give it overall Satisfying. a seven out of ten. Okay. I could I could see that. I've, I what <laughs> let me let me ask you this. Um if it's talking about how you know, now I'm just kind of blue sky in this one, but for me, I think this would have been much more effective if either this year or maybe last year they would have released, like we said, like a giant, like a big issue, uh, an oversized issue of that 10th century story. So maybe that is last year's or this year's kind of feature winter December thing. Maybe it's four issues and that that's your special event. They could And have... then next year we do the current stuff. So that way, because what they kind of tried to do to us is shoehorn in a nostalgia for a story that we have never heard before while the first, while the second story is going on. And I yeah, think it would have been mean, much more to, effective to, to have this special work. event. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think they did it very efficiently, but I don't think this is the most artistic way to do it. I mean, no. patience of a company that needs money to keep the doors open is like something, you know, artistically, right. I want it to be sprawling and huge and all of this. But, you know, yeah, I I, I think that would have been much more impactful. I think this was a, a quick way to get it done in a month. And I, I, I'm kind of baited on the hook now because if they go back to 10th century stuff, I'm on board. Give me some Conan. Like, buy up those properties. Give me, give me all of that. It would have been very easy for them to present all of the Justice League 10th century stuff as like an issue zero that came oh, out yeah. a month beforehand. An oversized issue zero of Endless Winter and okay. and gone from there, you know? I think that would I think that might have been a better strat. I think that would have raised my score cuz my my score is mostly limited in the in the formatting itself. Cuz in a huge event I want to be able to and I guess this is partly why they did it. I want to be able to skip books that I don't care about, you know what I mean? Right. Like if if I don't care about a, this storyline, okay, this is just going to be and it, what it normally is is like okay, these characters interacting in this world, but now to get the over arc, I can't buy a special issue. I got to buy nine issues which exactly is, yes i'll buy four mm -hmm. but come on nine is a, nine too much like just a bit speaking of too much got some dark multiverse baby yeah just a little bit too much um this story does get kind of crazy that is for sure next up we have tales from the dark multiverse dark knight's metal so we're going to get a dark knight's metal universe <laughs> twisted version of Dark Knight's Dark Metal. <laughs> Isn't that something? I guess Guys, they felt you know, like Snyder, it was... Snyder, this Snyder, big time. I guess they felt like it was something that we needed. But in any case, it is that uh, Tales from the Dark Multiverse Dark Knight's Metal with a story by Scott Snyder and writing also done by Jackson <laughs> Lanning and Colin Kelly with Art done by Carl Mostert, Trevor Scott, and Norm Rapman. Colors by Romulo Fiardo Jr. With letters by And World Design. David Marquez and Alejandro Sanchez again for that cover. And Anthony for the review. So, we open up, we see somebody going through portals. Or going through universe to universe to universe. Each time he goes through, the universe we're seeing is being crushed by Barbados. He gets in track. And finally, he goes back to his Earth, Earth Prime, and 
his design is totally inspired by Thanos. I'm not gonna lie, y'all. When I saw this, I'm like, hey, is that you, man? Because he's got he's yes, purple are. with gold armor. <laughs> I was like, did they do a Thanos? Come on, get out of here. I forgot what book I'm reading because I'm like, like, <laughs> wait, why is Thanos in this? Well, okay, okay. But no, we see Duke Thomas, and man, he aged did not do him wonders. He looks horrible. But we do learn more about his powers, uh, which is a plus. We see his positive and his negative um, powers with some, like, these, like, talent-type glasses. It's pretty cool what they did with him. Mm-hmm. But then the book gets a little bit wonky when our beloved heroes, <coughs> we see them into monsters and beasts, which I don't know how this, I kind of want to go back and read the ending to that because like, I don't understand, did we get any kind of hints that those our heroes were going to turn into these like monsters at the end of Metal at all? No, but I guess you could say that during that universe, uh, we did get to see a whole lot of different twisted versions of our heroes. And I think that this may just be one more dark, twisted version of them. Because it seems yeah, like, an, like... Infinite, an infinite amount of dark, twisted uh, universes produces, you know, everything eventually. Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen as much in the recent uh, Death Metal issue. You know, we'll, we'll even see it later on in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Because, like, this threw me off. And Duke, he's he's being such a badass. But thankfully, someone comes to his hero, comes to the side, with a guitar. Now, may I remind you, this is a... That is no ordinary guitar, Anthony. That is (laughs) the Parallax. Oh, come on. Incredibly cheesy, but I mean, they went for it. Did you guys think that this was Superman? Because I'm like, wait, why is this reminding me so much of Superman from this current the death metal event? Because this issue feels, as I was telling you before we record, this feels mm-hmm. more of a death metal vibe twist, uh, multiverse twist than a metal twist. It, it does. That's one thing. It I does. It definitely like feels very issue. death metally. Yeah. So. Like, yeah. It's like death metal is a sequel to metal. However. The looks and the guitar, I'm like, what? Okay, it's all over the top. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, spectral hopefully, drums. Hopefully, it's all done. We'll touch on that a little bit too. For that and Snyder, Snyder, Snyder. When um, Nightwing comes to Duke's help, which at the time I didn't even realize that actually Duke is wearing his like yellow bat suit, which was actually uh, pretty cool to see. But he takes him to his like. To the Just League, who we see are Bubbo and Hawkgirl. And the dialogue is just a little bit wonky, per se. Especially when, like, um, when, um, Hawkgirl goes, like, it's a metal with, like, her hands up on, and it's like, what? It just is, like, totally strange to, like, the dialogue is, in my opinion, a little bit off for our characters. Except for Duke. Duke seems like he's just about right. But Dick, eh, hot girl, eh, and they don't get any better. Now, of course, if you remember from the metal issue, we got a giant statue of um giant like monster-looking Hawkman 
which we do see him back in this so yeah. this is the only time I do feel that vibe from it. Mm-hmm. And then we get introduced to um Bobo, who I'm not gonna lie for a second, I'm like, why does he look so much like Iron Man? Just because he's wearing the retro nail suit, but it kind of has an Iron Man vibe going on there for sure. <laughs> it does. Well, Red Tornado. I love, well, he he was looking really, he was really looking long and scraggly. He had like this big old like weird chimpanzee beard. I I, I did like his. I dug, dug this look and this character, Chimpanado. It could be me, but maybe Art looks a little bit bigger. But maybe from our perspective, but Bubble looks big. He does look a lot bigger than he's normally depicted. I will give you that. He's real stretched out. and um, But you do see that his legs are, like are up higher than, you know, you know, so that his arms and his legs are like right about the same height. So at least he's proportionally displayed. He's not stretched out. The, like yeah, they, they kind of did a. Th- yeah, they kind of did like a thing where they show like inside he's basically using the red tornado suit on kind of like stilts, and there's like extensions in there. But yeah, I I would say he's he looks. I mean, because he's a ch- he's a chimpanzee. He's he's not even at this size. I think it's a little big, but you know, he he grew, right. I guess. And now we got Just metal. <laughs> we got introduced to um, our Justice League as monsters, and we did not see Flash, because we do see Flash right now, and again, we see a complete different twist on his look, and just the way that he is, it threw me off. Especially his face. Oh, it's so it was so creepy, though. This, <laughs> this is the only kind of, like, really, like bonesy kind of weird creepy thing that I I, I dug I just said I like Bobo but I, when when he popped up as Bone Bones Flash I was like whoa what is what is yeah, this it was just, what's this baloney uh Bobo was Bobo was fine and good you know I mean that was just Bobo wearing the red tornado and he figured out a way to make that okay, happen yeah. but this is like a skeleton wearing Flash's uniform like some kind like almost like the movie Flash uniform kind of and um, yeah. it just it does for some have, reason. Um, a skeleton seen. wearing the Flash's uniform just looks creepy as shit. What's your theory? I have I have a theory. Okay, so what if so Flash right moves really fast? That's his whole gig. What if he died? You know, it's the Metal Universe or whatever. But he died, and he's just running out his remaining momentum. Because of speed wow. force. Ooh, that is really so. Like it's finite, but like he can still go very fast because speed force is like what infinite, yeah. So mm-hmm. at the moment of his death, the speed force he contained, he's just like still going even after death. The speed force is infinite unless it 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 needs not be for a storyline, especially if it's from Joshua Williamson. <laughs> <laughs> I better dry that speed force up real quick. Don't use too much speed force or you will explode. If it serves the narrative all as well. Now later we do see um this book does not this book gets a little more wonkier as we choose to slay the dragon. And we did see before that Batman he was looking like more of a dragon type. So now they're off to battle. Now of course this is our just league team. Hawkgirl, Bobo, Nightwing, and Duke. As before, 
My issue about this is it takes so much of death metal and the just league tie event, the tie, just league um issue team. We had it with the three of the four the same. I did not like that one bit. I wish we just had a different team per se to keep Duke on it because Duke was the best part of this issue. Because later on, when we do see him use his powers, we see the hopes, like some great stuff from everybody all around us. Yeah, I like that part. That was cool done visuals. really well too. I love this Duke. I love this upgraded like post-apocalypse Duke. Yep. He's very cool. I wish I, like, I'm over that I wish Duke was written as good as this in normal issues. To be honest with you. Yeah, come on, give my give my dude some love, please. <laughs> Just a little bit. Now doing now doing the death metal. I mean, during the metal event, we see Dracorized Dragon, and we do see the Batman who laughs, who has, who actually has him in his. Um, he hasn't captured. However, we also see Batman who laughs, which is a uh, bit uh, odd uh, because Batman who laughs is from the um dark universe and one of those Earths. However, this is not his. I don't think this is his Earth. No, so that this being isn't said, his Earth. I, I believe why is that, he here? I believe that this one was pulled from one of the dark multiverses. It just is like because like this, all these books will take place in the Dark Multiverse universe. However, but it's it's a dark multiverse, so there's many dark universes within that dark multiverse, and in one of them, the Batman who laughs did not turn into the Darkest Knight, so we still have the Batman who laughs. Actually, there's and also his corpse. The body that was the dark, uh, the body that was the Batman who laughs persisted after yep. that as well. But the Batman who laughs, we who we originally got two, th- two or three years ago, he is from Dark Multiverse. So how can he be at two universes at once? Well, I mean, we've well, this, got we've got this is a tempest. Yeah, we've got one, multiple copies of all of our heroes on every universe. There could be multiple copies of evil twisted versions in the in the dark multiverse that's just i mean it's comic book you know basic comic book logic stretching it stretching it's it a what if sense, one but it don't count know, i mean it's what you assume at this point whenever whenever my boy fugonauts in this one it, it don't count <laughs> right <laughs> exactly and man, like it just is completely odd um two things made me throw up the male vibe him being here and the Hawkman. But that being said, Hawkman, he gets destroyed by the Batman who laughs. The whole team actually gets destroyed by Batman who laughs pretty easily. Thankfully, we have the Joker eyes dragon who he may got injured, but yet he's still on the side of good. And he mm. just destroys them. We get this epic fight scene with our heroes versus these other, like, Doctor versions. This book just gets wonky, in my opinion, just a little bit confusing. But hey, Scott Snyder, it will always be a little bit confusing. Um, yeah, yeah. I can I just say that I love the the um disembodied hand given the devil horns. I thought that that was pretty sweet. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, for um, yeah. Yeah, Zatanna, the disembodied hand of Zatanna. Yeah. Oh, is that who that? Yeah. Backwards. Oh, yeah, because yeah, I was, talking, cause he was speaking like, backwards. Who is that hand? Yep. 
Zatanna, and she's given the devil horns. Yep, so she's twisted too. So yeah, it's just it's just another just another twisted. dark twisted multiverse thing. No, as all epic fight continues on, we see dude. Uh, we see him use his life powers. We see him use dark powers. He even has his he can portal himself, which. This book did wonders for Duke as a whole. He's the MVP with no doubt. Amazing what he is doing. Um, and like how the book ends with Barbados just showing up. Like how's the saying, Scott Snyder? I just wish this was a little bit less confusing because that like. Barbados shows up to to actually confront which we have never seen somebody else confront Tempest in these Dark Multiverse books. Which makes me wonder what's gonna happen. This is this, the final night. It's the it's but also, the, it's also it. the final um, Tales of the Dark Multiverse mm. book too. We won't get any more after this. Which makes me wonder do we think that something else is gonna come from this? I mean, it almost feels like it's a setup, but it could also be just left in the dust. So I, oh, I'm assuming yeah. it's probably whether or not they got a good follow up story to tie into it. And I think it'd be, I think it'd be years down the line because I think the saturation on this is, is we've reached a critical point, mm -hmm. I believe. Yeah, I, think now, I, now, I get this book. A lot of the tales of the dark multiverse books were really good. Um, a lot of them I enjoyed. Some of them. Some of them not so much, but I'm sorry, Anthony. Go ahead. I think I gotta give this book a six out of ten. It had good art. Um, the parts that I was understanding, I enjoyed it. Loved, loved what they were Duke. However, there were too many parts which a little bit too confusing, like just too many rereads, too many like focus on to connect the dots, like because this happens here, this happens there. And this, again, this doesn't feel like a, a metal-type Dark Multiverse vibe at all. Nah. Um, Reed, what did you think yeah, about it? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know about this one. Like, okay. So, on the one hand, I think this... I think this is a pretty, like... F it's it's really fun. Um, and it's kind of just, like, loosey-goosey. And just happening. He's got a guitar. It's got like power stones in it or some some business. I, 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 I you just kind of have to like look at the, the cool stuff. And it's a guitar that's an axe. And there's a weird looking crypto Superman with a big belly that chomps you up. Um, so like <laughs> I don't know. There's like cool ideas, but it's just. It's just a whiteboard full of cool ideas. It doesn't really do anything. The only, I'll say the success, the success of this is the Duke stuff. I, I'm really interested in that. His final look is dope. Is is really cool. If there's one so thing that could cool. be salvaged, it would be that. But I think these are all just one offs. Um, I would love to just yep. see more of him being able to do cool stuff or having the 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 the, the place for that. And I was kind of thinking, you know, where it'd be cool for him. Would be to like it would be on a street level because he's like a lower kind of tier character right now. He could build up, have like a gang of guys that he like a bunch of folks that he works with. You know, kind of I don't know, I don't know. 
overall, um, I thought it was okay. Um, as far as this goes, but I, I'm kind of I'm kind of burnt out on dark multiverse stuff. Um, so this one, the the visuals were amazing, the designs were really cool, but that's pretty much it. So if you like the aesthetic, pick this one up for sure. If not, I'd I'd say skip it. I, I'll give it a six out of ten. All right, so I'm not too far off from you. I absolutely loved the art throughout the whole thing. The premise was great. The visuals, again, like you said, amazing. Uh, the story was uh, kind of fun, but it was... how? What is the easiest way to say this? I hope, I hope people get this. Um, this was like Hunter S. Thompson and Andy Warhol had a baby, and that baby wrote for DC Comics. And after a bender, this was one of that person's nightmares. That's what this issue is. It is such a weird, um, disconnected trip through this entire issue, and it—I it, mean, it almost feels psychedelic, but it's—it's it's not drawn that I, way. I'll I tell you what. It, Go ahead. This is basically the ultimate B movie. That—that's—that's that's how I was thinking about it. Very, very much so. There you go. That's mm-hmm. a good way of saying it. The ultimate B movie that you could ever dream up of the Dark Mog Flappers. The Shining Star here, however, like Reed mentioned, was um was Duke Thomas the Signal. Again, please give us more of this Duke. Not 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 as the Monitor or the Last Night or whatever, but um g- give us duke thomas written this well okay guys sorry i i, I just realized something what's that he's called the signal uh-huh. and he runs with like the bat so he's like the bat, bat, bat signal i never <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> yes <laughs> he's the sign that a bat family exists during the daytime he's always there excellent excellent catch so Sorry, I just realized that. No, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> so, um, that pretty much wraps up my thoughts on the issue. Again, I did really enjoy the art. It was pretty good, but um, it was just so disconnected and just unnecessary uh, compared to a few of the other really, really good dark multiverse stories that I've read. I've got to give this one a 6.5. So that mm-hmm. is going to take us to the last issue of the week here and uh the last issue we're going to review of the year as a matter of fact and that is going to be the death metal tie-in <laughs> and we will cover that issue right after this commercial and we're back getting right back to the book that is Dark Knight's Death Metal, the last 52 War of the Multiverses. This one came in at a whopping $8.99, so we had to shell out some money for this one, folks. Um, it is written and drawn, inked and colored by various talents that we will present to you individually. Dan Moore did the cover for us, and what a cover that is. He managed to cram in all kinds of people. Um, I kind of re- that's three bucks to the eight ninety nine right, right there. I really like it. That would be if if they filled in the white with some more characters, and I mean that'd be a pretty darn cool poster, man. But uh, this is it, guys. 
the giant-sized issue of Death Metal, The Last 52, War of the Multiverses, the final battles of all of our heroes. Or is it? Um, the stories within we will present completely on their own. That said, this is a tie-in issue that follows another tie-in we just reviewed, where Superboy Prime just punched the Darkest Knight so hard that the evil worlds that he created collapsed and disappeared. Except that didn't happen here at all. Like, no. not even a little bit. There's been no connection between the two in any way, shape, or form. And we even got a panel of Superboy Prime at one point in this issue. Still no connection. No dots, not even drawn, let alone connected. That said, <laughs> um, so all things are a little out of sorts overall with the conclusion of this arc. But that said, each story is different, related only by theme, and presented by a different creative team. So we will start off with Wonder Woman, written by Joshua Williamson and Scott Snyder, with art by Dexter Soy, Scott Koblish, and Veronica Gandini, letters by Tom Napolitano. And Reed is going to walk us through that one real quick. So we open this issue, uh, or this section, I should say, of the comic, and we get a... <laughs> We're always flashing back to Themyscira, baby. We cannot stop flashing back. And in this one, Gotta remember we have roots, a very man. young Diana. <laughs> She's all roots. No, I, I want to see her flash back to like nineteen. Like I want to see her flash back to like nineteen forty or something. Get out of here, like nineteen eighty four during the mall. Real quick. <laughs> y- yeah, there you go. Absolutely. Yes. What was she doing in nineteen seventy four? Disco heist, please, guys. <laughs> Patty Jenkins, call me. I got ideas, got please. Ideas. <laughs> um, so here, here's my here's my question. Okay, uh, and I don't. This is this is. We've only got a couple of books, and we're wrapping it up. So I'm going to stretch this out. We're going to do another tangent, um, real quick. Um, Shoot for it, man. <laughs> how 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 long was Diana a child? Do we have any kind of definitive answer? Because she's kind of like eternal, unless she's killed. But she was also like born and a baby, which is on doesn't happen in Amazonians. So was she just like regular, like four, by fourteen or like what, like twenty five, thirty or whatever? She's like finally stops growing. How long does that period last? Is it like elf logic, where it's like <laughs> was she was she one for a hundred years? What happened? Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I totally see where that kind of thing happens. No, it as far as I know, it isn't elf logic. It's like elf um, logic. When it comes to, well, yeah, elf logic would be like it takes 100 years for you to age one year kind of thing, right? Um, yeah. She, as far as I know, um, she was she was shaped as a baby out of clay, um, you know, traditionally mm-hmm. anyway. And um, um, now she's the daughter of Zeus and Hera. But um, in any case... I, I thought that was still in the New 52, that she was still like the the daughter but shaped still and then he like lightning bolted her and that was like daughter because it's like right. very phallic i guess yeah. I don't know. so i mean um yeah so basically what what as far as i believe uh she is she she starts out as a baby and she basically ages up to an adult at a normal rate and then once she hits that like kind of vampire now style she stops aging it it's just the perfect <laughs> age okay you know what i'm saying well 
Yes, well, all you humans out there, hit, uh, hit us up on Twitter. Let me know your theories because I'm interested or past canonical what have you. Uh, let me know how that goes. But in this one, we see a very young Diana, and there she's like at a funeral or something. When I first read through this, I thought this was just like a nightmare sequence, but apparently this actually happened. They, they go up and they're talking about this woman who is dead or or dying, and Diana uh, says, "Isn't death a blessing?" And she snaps up with weird, creepy eyeballs and says, "No, death thing is no death is no blessing. It's horrible, horrible." Which is like, that's a real wild message, lady, to give to that little baby uh, of a warrior culture. But like, hey, whatever. Yeah, she gets some pretty um, so that wild eyes is on over her from and... that, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, but regardless, um, we, we're back to the present chaotic death metal times. Um, we see a gigantic golden Wonder Woman fighting uh, Batman who laughed. Uh, having to battle Perpetua. Uh, they have a battle uh, and kind of discuss philosophies on truth while we get to see a bunch of very weird and uh, very dark multiverse kind of versions of everyone. You got Last Sun, you got uh, Aquaman on a leash and uh, creepy pets. Um, and then we see a couple of different battles. Um, there's a, a little uh, moment between uh, Roy and Kid Flash and some evil versions thereof. Um, but, uh, and, and then, uh, again, we see Wonder Woman, and she gets to, uh, she's being, it's a battle of wills, basically, where the, why I, why I said devil is because, you know, the ultimate Batman who laughs, God version, whatever, is trying to is playing devil's advocate to Wonder Woman, who's embodied hope and light and all of like truth and those things, and he's kind of the dark, twisted version. And he's showing her all of her friends and allies, you know, losing and struggling, and what's it all for? Uh, and then we get another flashback uh, to a young Themyscira, where Diana talks to her mother and kind of learns that it's not about like live, you know, that part of being alive is fighting for every breath you take, etc. And she regains new hope and <laughs> says, the only sound the multiverse is going to hear is the sound of me kicking your ass. Oh, yeah. Dark multiverse, baby. <laughs> what did you think of it, Reed? Did you think that? What did you think of that story? <sighs> I don't know. I really liked the art style of the uh, Themyscira flashbacks. Um, I don't know if they've done it before, but I would I would love to see kind of just a I love training montages and like school kind of mm-hmm. stories, things like that. So watching a young Diana, like a, a YA Diana, like going through training and stuff like that, I think would be like super exciting. Um, and I'd love to see that as its own standalone series or of something. Well, just um, so you know, I, I don't there know, the whole are. Um, a couple young adult Wonder Woman titles uh, that have been mm-hmm. published. And um, I, if I'm not mistaken, now we've actually had those covered on one of our sister podcasts, the Not of Robot Kids Corner. Uh, so make sure you guys go ahead and check that out. All right. Um, I'm going to pop over to that right after this. All right. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, continue what you were saying. 
Oh, uh, well, that being said, uh, I, I'm interested in, in a lot of it, but this kind of feels like the last 20 episodes of a Dragon Ball Z arc where they just keep talking and nothing happens. <laughs> right. Um, uh, so much. They power up for a bunch of pages and yell at each other, and the art style changes a couple of times, but at the end of the day, they're about to punch, and then we cut away yeah. to the next one. One well, Kamehameha with, uh, away the from a conclusion, ones. and it never seems to come. <laughs> Anthony, what did you think of the Wonder Woman story? Um, I think it was a bit boring. Um, it started out pretty that. good. Um, we I do love to see like how we did see. Um, I, I love how when they get time to poke fun at the heroes and crisis. Um. Wally, they do. They do in this in the, this issue. Um, but other than that, it had okay dialogue, but most of it was pretty boring. And I, we always seen this like, I'm gonna fight you, um, the, the Doctor's Night. Because okay, I've always seen that. Oh, okay. They could they should have saved some of this for the issue seven, because this is uh, probably the one. That, weakest issues or weakest stories of this yeah, issue. I'm going to I'm going to have to I'm going to kind of agree with you both on this a little bit. I I enjoyed the story. It was okay, but um how many precludes do we need to the conclusion of this final battle? And what happened to the Superboy mm-hmm. Prime one really? that was even acknowledged? You know, I mean, it it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense. I it we get we get so many different ways to end this, and I guess it's like I don't know, yeah. Whichever one you've stuck around long enough to pick up and buy, they're hoping you're you're satisfied with that one. I, I guess. Um, ultimately, the final yeah, I... battle is supposed to happen in Death Metal Number Seven, which comes out next week. But I'm not. I'm not excited. Um, I'm curious, but the end ending even though it's not even quite here yet, has already gotten so convoluted, I'm going to have to stretch, I imagine, to make sense out of it. That bumps me out. Yeah, so... so, um, so I, I enjoyed it. The art was great, but I, ultimately, I didn't, I didn't think it was... I didn't think it was much, to be honest with you. Next up, we have Superman First and Last Men, written by Magdalene Visaggio, with art by Paul Pelletier, Norm Ratman, and Adriano Lucas, with letters by Carlos and M. Mong. So here we have what seems to be the last battle of Superman. He has found himself up against an evil regime of Supermen working with the Darkest Night, the Ancient Hounds of El, Shepherd, Saint, Savior, and the Last Son, the Captive Superman. I am going to be 100% honest here. If these are previously existing characters in the Superman universe, I have no idea who any of them are. But they are presented and captioned and outfitted like I should have been able to recognize yep, them immediately. Uh, so, I no, it, I, I can't figure out where these characters came from, but, I mean, they, they sure put them at the forefront, didn't they? So, Iron Man uh, Superman's pretty cool, Say though. again? I said, 
uh, Iron oh, Man, yeah. Superman. Uh, that one pretty would cool, be though. Savior, and it, yeah, I mean they all look pretty cool. I'm, I'll give them that. They all, I like all of them. Um, the last on the captive Superman is essentially a ball of fire. Um, but uh, Superman, for some reason, decides that he's going to try and reach out to the last son, the one that looks most nuclear of all the Supermans that is there. But surprise, surprise, he's only met with violence. Our Superman is holding back while Last Son is knocking the daylights out of him, trying to get him to switch sides. The Superboys, Steel, and Supergirl show up to help deal with the other evil Kryptonians, but it's not enough. That's when Hank Henshaw, Cyborg Superman, General Zod, Lex Luthor, and the Eradicator show up. This is enough to turn the tides for the good guys, but there is nothing left in Superman. The anti-life equation has sapped away just too much. The remainder of Team Supes goes off as Supergirl reminds them that Superman doesn't quit. And today, they're all Superman. Um, you know, even though I didn't know who these guys were, I mean, for a short story of Superman's last personal stand, I kind of dug it. This really reflected who the character was. Um, the, uh, the, the side Superman characters, the Superboys, Steel, and Supergirl, they, they, they sound like themselves, even though they have bit parts. Um, the art is real good throughout the whole thing. Um, I super like this one, guys. What did you think? I think it was cool. I, I love the new, the evil Superman that we see. I just wish, like, I wish we got more about them. Because as you were saying, how like, we get introduced as if we should have known them. Even our, super, our good guys act as if that they've seen them before. I'm like, it just seems that they all know who is a bad guy. So, Anthony, which is a bit you're odd. the same, too. You don't know who these are. Not one bit. Like, I love the designs of them. They intrigue me, but... I would love it if uh, Glenn Clark or Jared or anybody listening to this podcast out there <laughs> would give us a holler and let us know if we're just forgetting who these potentially ig- insignificant Superman characters are. <laughs> um, they do look pretty awesome, though, at least the way they're represented here. Yeah. Shepard's dope. Although I thought he was an old guy, but he kept saying dude. Um, I, I think Last Sun has been featured in Dark Multiverse stuff before, though. If, if that's the case, it's it's not been very memorable. At least not for me. Not like not like featured, but I believe he's been in them before, like in like shots. Because I remember seeing a fiery Superman. Has he? Or at least I thought so. I'm, I, I think hmm. so. I think he's just been in like, like group shots and just stuff Just kind like of that. like in the background um, there. Uh-huh, when it's like, here's all my evil guys, and there's like a fiery Superman. Um, but uh, hey, I'm not going to Very easy. Um, I could this... have messed up. I do love an alternate Superman, though. Um, I, I, I was not really into Superman per se, but um, I was maybe like 11 or 12 or something. I don't know. I was a kid when uh, Death of Superman happened. Uh, and I was into, I was like really into comics at that point, and me too, me too. I, I love all the alt Superman. I, I don't know the names of them, but I, I I did have the the Death of Superman game. So, the, so these are some of my uh, favorite Superman characters. You know, Steel, 
is high on the list. Cyborg Superman is dope. And then uh, cool jumpsuit Superman. What's the guy with the glasses? Who's he? That's, is that the, eradicator? Erad- that's the Eradicator. Yep. And then um, the other yeah, Superboy. There's two Superboys. One of them <laughs> is one of the original Reign of the Superman Superboys. Yeah, the the jacket guy yeah, yep. I, I recall is uh, yeah. well, and he I love the jacket stuff in this one. This one is actually like kind of hit a nostalgia point when I saw like Eradicator and Cyborg Superman and stuff. I was like, whoa, these guys! I love these guys. Right. Um, so that kind of got me excited. I just um, the, it was all and the real art cool. is really spot on. Yep. Yeah, I I thought I I just often whenever I read a comic, if there's like a character, I'm just like, oh, that uh, that's obviously somebody. Even if I if I don't know anything about it, you know, it's fine. It never bothers me. Um, but I I really dig. I, they, they didn't play him as an old man, but I would love like a, that shepherd, if, like an old man Superman, like an old man Logan Superman. Pretty dope. I'm into that. Um, overall though, nothing. You know, it's kind of okay. Um, it looked cool. So I think it's it's a seven out of ten kind of zone for me on this one. I don't know if we're doing ratings on that, but like, yeah, it, it was cool. I I wouldn't buy I wouldn't buy this as a book, but it was cool. It was cool. It would be interesting for like a three issue run if it gave us a chance to meet these in these additional mysterious Superman. I would say anyway. Yeah, we'll go ahead and move this on to Bat the Boy's next Superman. story, which is about Batman in the Batman Who Laugh, written by James Tynan the Fourth, art by Alex Maleev with and Matt Hollingsworth, with letters by Rob Lee. Anthony, you want to take us a trip through this one? No, basically, we get Batman and his family fighting against all the other evil bad guys. Like we get. Um, some of the Batman, um, the Dark Knights, for example, we see, I want to say he's the Devastator one. Um, we see Batman who laughs as he, as Batman brings it back from the dead. We've seen, we even see Poison and Ivy here. Now, one kind of, we do not see Damien. Okay. We do see him in this issue. However, I don't know why he's not featured in the, in the Batman story. But yeah, it's odd too. But we get the back and forth between Batman who laughs and the Batman saying how he should be joining their team. Um which he brought him back. It was just one without we got rid of Batman who laughs in issue one. We bring him back. He's just too much at this point. And how it ends He's gonna be a big help in the next issue because how he he just is like kills Batman and saying ha 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 that's all this issue is. It's one two three. It's about three pages, maybe four, five, five. It feels a lot shorter than that. It feels like two pages. It's not a one that was not necessary at all. They they should just have skipped it. The art is okay, but again, I if we didn't get much. This is just a bit unnecessary. Uh, yeah, I kind of agree with you. There's not much going on here. I mean, it's just kind of Batman and and like a, a visual roundup of like the family. Uh, I, I'm into like black. Um, 
ring Black Lantern uh, uh, Batman. But like you said, nothing really happens. They like stab each other and it, it doesn't matter and they laugh and that's it. <laughs> the visuals are cool. It looks cool, but I, I, nothing really goes on. So the, I, I don't know. Blah, meh. I, yeah, I kind of left with a blah on this one too. It just seemed completely mm-hmm. unnecessary. Um, trying to look into what might have been the point of the story, it just kind of seems like the point of the story may have been that Batman knows just about everything, but there's nothing he knows quite as much as himself and his limits and how he's always able to push past them and that he he's able to push past another limit when he can even resonate and relate with the Batman who laughs. And unfortunately, you know, I mean, I'm a huge Batman fan. The fact that I even let somebody else review a Batman story is something that's huge. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but uh, it's 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 My just dude. it's it's not there. It's it's not Batman, man. This is just uh, it's it's more along the whole Bat God trope, and I'm just not feeling it. I I want that grounded detective i want the real batman i don't need the guy who swoops in to save the day just because i'm batman that's ridiculous and everybody is tired of that's where i'm on on that one anyway so we've got another one coming up we have the atom in unstable atoms written by kyle higgins with art by scott collins and john calise with letters by tom napolitano and anthony is going to take us through that one again All right, now we get the Adam out, and he's just worrying about what to do, what to do. He looks over, and we see uh, Will Magnus and Mr. Terrific as just trying to figure out, hey, if we can put the moment in the other universes and, like, try and shift the worlds a bit, like, and slow down the nightmare creatures. They're trying to join which, the T-spheres with the metal men and give them the ability to fly was uh, it was weird i'm like i'm like okay i feel like he could (laughs) well because they even say um they can already just i mean can't they already fly haven't they always like been able to fly well apparently they say if we can get them inside the dock uh, there's a chance we will be able to shift the worlds out as a phase slowing down the nightmare creatures like that's a bit of a stretch like like what can you talk to me how we like what how how they, they can do that? Stuff, I, I, guess. I don't know. I, I don't have very very vague, right? Science. And you know, I mean, shoot, like, they just got back from the dark multiverse in their own book. Maybe they should have been told about that shit when they were there. And um, also, we've already seen them in this event before on a boat. Oh yeah, what what am I not remembering? Tell me about it. Justice League. When they're all part of that boat that Nightwing used. Oh, yep, you're right. So how do we get from there to here? It's just is like, ugh. hey guys, guys, like, no thoughts. Guys, look at the Metal Men real quick. And I don't know if mm-hmm. you're old enough to remember the GI Joe comics, but don't these look like a bunch of multicolored agents of Cobra? Mm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Snowstorm or whatever. What's this? The what dude with the drapey mask. Anyway. That's what it reminded me of. There are new ones, though? 
They look. I wonder if they have weird hoods. Maybe they're making like a brand new ones. Like these are just making from scratch. I think it says something about like the remains of the Metal Man or something like that. Well, as Adam, he seems a bit of a Debbie Downer. He's like, "Oh, I can't walk. I cannot walk." Also, Noah, he gets a blasted, and as we see the Dark Mortarverse, Adam, which the design looks awesome. He looks powerful. Unfortunately, he, which we do get, it looks like a bit of a backstory behind how he is. But again, we don't see how did he turn evil. It never told us why he told us, like, like what made him be an evil version. It looks like that was just his personality led him that way. This In this dark universe, that's the kind of guy that Ryan Choi was. But even when he was drawn meeting Ray Palmer, he smiled, he's happy. So they should they should made us a scene where he's like he's picking on people, but that being said, it doesn't matter because he gets squashed like a bug. When Ryan does something <laughs> that he didn't think was possible, he just gets so big, gets massive, and then he's like, you know, if I, if I can get big, this plan can work, and then it ends. I mean, he's like forty feet tall here, maybe even bigger than that. Did you ever get that big before? Nope. No. <laughs> Why? Science, I guess. Yeah, he says, no, never, and honestly, I shouldn't be able to. So, okay. But, some beams. I got hit with dark beams. I guess. Beams. That's what I feel about this one. It's dark beams, I guess. <laughs> it's... It was okay. I didn't mind it much. It It was an okay story. Um, Ryan Choi doesn't get featured in very much, and, and I wish he did. Um... Because he is a, he is a good and interesting character, and there's a lot of progression that could come out of his story. So, uh, pairing him with Mister Terrific in that kind of a universe is something I would love to see more of. But I mean, this wasn't necessarily it. But I will say that Ra, the evil Adam, does look really freaking cool. Um, I think it's kind of cool that his whole thing is that his name is Ra which stands for, on the periodic table, it stands for radium, um, which which is radioactive, so that's unstable atoms, so it's kind of like the evil multiverse atom versus unstable atom, you know? So there was that whole, I guess, pun there? But um, it, it was okay. Like, if I gave this one a letter uh, number grade, I'd probably give it a six. It was a little bit better than just a comic book. Mm-hmm. It's a stinker. I don't know. This one's a stinker. Yeah. I like Mr. Terrific, but like, yeah, it's it's kind of just suffering from like the we're gonna do a th- the the whole comic itself is like, hey, we're gonna do something. It's probably not gonna matter, but I guess we'll just do it anyhow because that's what we do. Because why not? All right. And Anthony just got called out on an emergency, but we're gonna continue with the rest of the podcast and pick up with the Lois Lane story. No More Superheroes, written by Regine Sawyer, with art by Aletha Martinez, Mark Morales, and Amelia Lopez, with letters by Tom Napolitano. No More Heroes introduces us to the Dark Multiverse's version of Lois Lane. In this world, Lois Lane and Superman were not a couple, but she still had a son named John. During a fight between Superman and Maxima, the Daily Planet is burned down, and her son, while on a field trip, is killed. 
Now, Superman afterwards goes on an apology tour and ends it with an interview with Lois Lane. That's when she produces Amber Kryptonite. We don't know how she got it, but she did. And that apparently absorbs Superman's powers. She then killed him and cut <laughs> his head off and carries it with her still. Ooh, I yeah. missed that part. This is definitely not our Lois Lane. Our Lois Lane finds herself in the grips of this evil version of herself. Evil Lois is demanding that Lois screams and uh, that she calls out to Superman so that he can die like hers did. Our Lois knows that her and Superman are so connected that if she was to even so much as whimper, he would hear it and come running to his death. So with tears streaming down her face, her narrative dialogue boxes tell us that Superman has sacrificed so much, so many times, that now it's her turn. So whatever happens, it will happen in silence. He refuses to even make a sound. It looks as though Lois Lane is dead at the end of this story, but is this the end for Lois? The caption, the end at the finish of this story, does have a question mark, so I guess we'll have to wait and see. I enjoyed this. It is so much the very exact opposite. You know, obviously this has no substance much, but it's just it just seeing Lois Lane represented in such a contrasting manner is just um I don't know, it was just unbelievable to see that she was doing that. Um it it that, that really blew my mind. Yeah, I, I I don't know about this one. I I think her I think the Lois Lane design was kind of cool. Um but yeah, I don't know. These the all of these kind of like just were like, well, this is here's a thing. Here's a weird alternate character. Right. And that's it, you know. They fight with the, the original character it's based off of and it looks like they're all losing. So that once we get the final conclusion in seven, they can all triumph over them and like have little cameos in the background and stuff. Meh. I don't know. Yeah. There wasn't much that was special. It was cool seeing a, a, a vicious, violent Lois, but that was that was pretty much it. Um, next up, she had a robo got... suit. I guess that was cool. Yeah. Next up, we have Raven Falling Through the Cracks, written by Shay Grayson, with art by Fatman and Chris Sotomayor, with letters by Troy Pateri. You want to walk us through that one? Absolutely. Um, okay, so this this one begins. We've got Raven, we've got Aqualad, Robin, Beast Boy, Red Arrow, and Starfire um, fighting through some all kind of like weird monsters. They're just kind of riffing. Um but as as it happens in these kind of battles for narrative reasons, the floor opens up and they all fall down into a cavern uh, to face their dark versions. Um, these ones are all kind of like real extra creepy. And later we find out that cool the whole team <laughs> um, made a bark. What's that? I said they're pretty cool looking, man. Starfire's hair is all yeah, changed. I... Robin looks like some kind of weird dark ninja warrior dude. So does Red Arrow. I don't know what Robin happened to cool. Aqualad. He looks kind of like the creepy uh, underwater ghost from Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a tentacle beard and and big red hands. They're not like they're not like cl- like 
crab clackers, but they're just like big red fiends. I don't know. Um, but the, yeah, there's some spooky ones. Beast Boy is a displacer beast now, which they better watch out. That's some that's some copyright stuff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wizards of the Coast will come after you for that displacer beast business. Um, but these are all dark, twisted Teen Titans who took the deal with Trigon and got evil spooky, uh, spooky boy powers. They have a big fight, um, and uh, eventually all of the the regular old Teen Titans are defeated and kind of cast down. But uh, Star, uh, excuse me, uh, Raven, uh, you know, kind of comes to herself and unleashes her full power. Kind of saying that, like her, her, the best version of her is, you know, full of light and hope, and she rescues her friends and and throws all of the rest of the evil uh, Teen Titans uh, to hell. She says, so I guess they they all die or, or went into the earth into literal hell, some um, kind of fiery pit. And it's, um, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> um, overall, this one's cool. There's some cool visuals. The the evil titans look cool uh uh very like neat and and um <laughs> the only thing is starfire the evil starfire's got a real um what are they called um cenobite look about her like yes. chain hair and leather um <laughs> yes yeah. yeah but um that's pretty much all this is it's just like here's an alternate version they fight and you know raven eventually triumphs that's pretty fun it's good for what it is. I thought cool this was so, one of the more thumbs up. fun um, stories that were in the book. Um, the art was really impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing Raven as both like super evil and then in her traditional sense and then drawn so well with her powers and everything. With I thought those panels looked oh, yeah. amazing. Um, evil Raven was cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good Raven was even better. All, all of the cool all of the twisted bad guys were cool. <laughs> the little backstories that we got. So that that this is easily one of my favorite stories that that's in the book for sure. Um we will move on next to the Penguin story titled Aphysius by Marguerite Bennett and uh the art was brought by Anaki Miranda and Eva de la Cruz. Letters by Carlos M. Mangual. So this one was pretty cool. I was excited to see because on all of this dark multiverse, my favorite, my very favorite moment so far was there was one panel where all of the villains and heroes were lined up and they were saying like, I've got my powers and my, all my things. And there's a moment with, where you see Penguin who they brought his ass along and he says, I have a very sharp rock. And I'm really glad we get to see. Yeah, like, what was that? It was fun, but I'm glad that we got it, and I'm glad we got this little story arc. Now, I have no, I I do not understand it, so I'm hoping maybe uh, uh, someone out there can can lend uh, me a little insight into why this issue happens or how it happens. But, okay, so here's the thing. You got the Penguin, and he is squared off against three creepy versions of himself. We've got like a a weird green blob version that absorbed his mom or something. Then we have yeah. like a skinny a skinny boy version, and then we have a version uh, that like dominated the animals that loved him. So he's like riding an elephant seal and doing battle there. Um, a really vicious. And they kind of square off seal. and basically. <laughs> Yes, yes, the bloodied mouth at all. Um, so basically, uh, Cobblepot goes through a little monologue about how 
all these other penguins like blew it and there aren't the best version that he's the best version of penguin that you know there could be and he's he's kind of the best one out here because he's just this guy that kept his empire afloat through all of the crazy business that happened through all of Gotham. He was always uh, himself. And then he, while fighting, I thought at first that he was absorbed by the other one and then took it over and became a beast bird man, but he becomes a giant penguin proto bird. And um, he gets a like bubbly skin and transforms. And then he, he kills all the other penguins. Now, I don't understand anything that happened in this one and why he has bird-changing powers. That being said, I loved it. It was cool. A, a weird penguin monster ate a bunch of other penguin monsters. And uh, you get a little dialogue about wealth and riches and stuff. Or a monologue, excuse me, about wealth and riches. Overall, it was, it was fun. This and the last story, the Titan story, I feel like they both had... Um, they had the set well, and also the Constantine story as well. They all have the scent, which we'll get to in a second, but they, they all knew what kind of story they were supposed to tell. And I think these were the, like the three most successful ones at this. So this one was a lot of fun. Yeah. I had a lot of fun with this one too. I don't know how a lot of people feel with it. They're probably wondering why Penguin is involved in a story that's so big and monumental. Um, uh, honestly, yeah. it's more than likely because he's going to be the villain in the upcoming Batman movie. But uh, past that, um, I mean, this is really about Penguin, like Reed had been saying, Penguin saying that no matter what other kind of version is out there, he is, he is always going to remain. He will always eventually be on top, even on top of all the other versions of himself. Um, there's, the, the story is... Uh, titled Apicius. Um, Apicius was a man, as it's explained in the comic book, Apicius is a man that existed in ancient Rome. He was the richest of the rich. He had even more money than the emperor of Rome himself. Yet, um, when his when his wealth dropped to the equivalent of, like, say, 10 million Roman dollars, dude offed himself because it just wasn't enough. Um, Penguin is that that's just not Penguin. He will never be a Pisius. He will always, no matter if he has to start from just mere pennies, he's always going to rise up like the Phoenix and come back. And I think that's the moral of the story here is no matter what kind of crazy happens in the world, the Penguin will always worm his way in. So I, I enjoyed it very, very much so too. Reed, you want to go ahead and walk us through John Constantine too? That one is sure. titled So you Armageddon don't know I turned Blues. into a big giant crow either? Say again? I said, do you, do you know why he turned into a big giant crow either? Okay, or that, so that, that part was a little confusing. Um, The way that I saw it, so I, I see him running through, uh, running in front of that green blob penguin without any of the blisters on him. Uh-huh. But then I kind of see the blisters on him. I don't know if blistered dude is just another weird version of him. Or if he just starts to manifest through like this odd willpower that he's just going to turn himself I got into it. something, you know? I mean, he's harnessed the powers of that time cop thing where you touch your alternate version and then you start getting all moopy goopy, and he just was able to become a bird. Perfect. <laughs> Ooh, um, there you go, <laughs> guys. It couldn't get more 
easily explain than that. Thank you, Reed. Doesn't even matter what the creator Simple says. Simple as pie. <laughs> All right, John Constantine in Armageddon Blues, written by Matthew Rosenberg. Those of you guys that don't know this, Matthew Rosenberg isn't just a comic creator, comic writer. He does that sometimes, but he is also uh, pretty famous for showing up on TV sometimes. He even played Lex Luthor on Smallville. The art is done by Rob Gilroy and Marisa Louise, with the letters done by Anvil Design. What happened in Constantine? Well, this one is a pretty uh, cut and dry Constantine story. Uh, Constantine is at the battle at the end of the multiverses uh, and feeling particularly outclassed. Um, and he's standing there uh, di- uh, talking at Green Arrow. And he says, like, this isn't really my thing. I'm not in the whole punching and fighting. And Green Arrow it gives him a lie. and says, well, I'm just a guy with arrows. You're a wizard. Like, you'll figure it out. Um so uh the battle continues and uh Constantine comes under threat by a dark zod version and he is rescued uh, as the evil zod or evil or whatever super whoever gets blown up by Constantine uh or gets blown up we see that a dark Constantine is his savior and it says uh, don't think anyone would kill you except for me so then the two decide to uh, fuck off to the pint down. Yeah, they decide to fuck off for the pub down the way uh, and have a couple of drinks. And basically, the evil Constantine is a Constantine that gave in to the dark forces. Um, and they have clever, ba- like kind of a banter, kind of, uh, what, do you, what do you call it? It's a kind of self-deprecating humor towards the whole dark multiverse as a, a, a whole, where he kind of says, oh, you just never got over that metal period, huh? Um, right. so they, they they have a little um, conversation of punk versus metal <laughs> with our Johnny yeah. preferring punk, of course. Um, obviously, uh, so they they go to the pint and Constantine pours the glasses, um, because uh, this alternate Constantine, um, the the evil one, says he'd uh, um he's going to kill him eventually, so might as well have a drink first. And obviously, Constantine gets the upper hand, tricks the other evil Constantine into drinking from a glass with uh, cursed ice cubes. And uh, evil Johnny (laughs) throws up blood everywhere and dies. (laughs) And uh, Constantine says, well, I guess I better get back to the help out back to the battle and help out uh, after one more round. And that's it. Um. The art is very cartoony. It's like a more of like a comic strip than a comic book. Um, but I think it works for Constantine because it's a loosey goosey kind of like story. It doesn't really matter, uh, you know, what it looks like. The dialogue is well and, and pretty on point. Uh, a fun little read that knows that it's just a couple of pages in a larger volume. Um, I enjoyed it. I'm a Constantine bias, but I think it was still pretty entertaining. I think me and you both tend to be a little biased when it comes to any of the members of Justice League, Doug. And um, even though this basic animation uh, cartoon strip uh, WB Mm -hmm. animation style um, doesn't throw me off of the story enough to make me not interested, I could probably read a few more pages of this and not grow tired of it. 
two versions of Don Constantine, yeah. one worse than the other one, just sitting there trading barbs back and forth <laughs> would be amazing. I would love that every bit. It works. It works. It definitely does. And yeah. speaking of members of Justice League Dark, we're going to move over to the final story. That is Swamp Thing, Reign of the Swamp King. Written by Justin Jordan with art by Mike Hendrickson and Adriana Lucas. Will Leathers by Dave Shark. Two halves of what Swamp Thing could be, represented by opposite sides of the coin. In this story, our Swamp Thing is an elemental with the soul of Alec Holland. This dark multiverse offered up an elemental that was convinced it was Alec Holland, but had no soul at all to bind that consciousness to. While Evil Swamp Thing fought off the Floronic Man, it came at the cost of him losing Abigail Arcane, the love of Alec Holland's life. And because of that, he became twisted with rage and vengeance. He first absorbed the rot by absorbing Anton Arcane, and then he attacked the forces of the Red as well and absorbed them. The parliaments rose up against him, and he defeated them very quickly because he's got the strongest members already. This dark multiverse swamp thing is far more powerful than ours being host to three elementals, but our swamp thing has a little trick up his sleeve. Or, I mean, I guess up his bark, maybe? <laughs> his sacrifice, he sacrifices himself to make the two become whole and allow the conflict within the evil swamp thing to find peace. He kind of traps him into it. By joining the consciousness of Alec Holland with the soul of our Swamp Thing, it puts Evil Swamp Thing into checkmate, and he cannot make a move. And this was probably my favorite story of the whole book. Um, I'm with you there, for sure. The art, uh, though not necessarily my favorite, I don't like the... I, I prefer the really detailed, gruesome-looking stuff when it comes to the members of the Justice League Dark books in that part of the DC universe. But um, the art style used here uh, in this story, it really worked because it's this dark, twisted multiverse anyway. So, I, you know, you go into it expecting things to be a little crazy. Not Riley Rosmo crazy, but um, you expect it to look a little different, and it does. But uh, it doesn't detract from the story at all. I enjoyed the hell out of the story, and um, I'd recommend it. For sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially, I would say that this story is strong enough that if you're a Swamp Thing fan, I would recommend you pick this book on that alone. This is certainly the strongest story of the bunch. It's the most, it's the most kind of cohesive as its standalone um, event. And it has, it's got a couple of great cameos. I love all the weird, um, pseudo elementals he brings at the beginning solomon grundy frankenstein uh i thought that was a, a lot of fun yeah for um, sure. i also just love the mythos kind of building of of all like the different parliaments in the red and the, the green and all the rot um so yeah this this was definitely i think uh the the winner out of all of these uh smaller stories for sure all right, guys, and that wraps up all of the books. Unfortunately, Anthony is not present for the remainder of the podcast, so we don't get to hear his picks for the next little segment that we have here. But now it is time for us to pick the top three books of the week and our favorite panel slash moment of the week. Reed, you want to start us off with your countdown? 
Sure. This one, I'm going to go kind of a little off book because um, having a top three is, you know, we we just have three. So I'm going to kind of break up. I'm going to give you my favorite stories. Technically, we have four. Okay. Well, in that case, it would certainly be. I mean, but if you if you would if you would rather supplement the stories within the one book, you know, for in, in place of one of the others, by all means, do so. If you think they deserve that, perhaps. Um, yeah. Um, I think I th- okay. So for number three, I I guess I would have to put. Ugh, it's really tough. I I don't think that you should buy necessarily. Like go out for the anthology, um. But those last three stories are pretty strong. The 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 well, I guess four. The Raven, the Penguin, Constantine, and Swamp Thing stories are are pretty cool. And my mm-hmm. nostalgia for the uh, Death of Superman, Superman, and, and there is pretty dope as well. Um, overall, it doesn't really advance the anything much. So that one, I guess I'll give it a. I'll, I'll make that number three. Uh, number two, I, I'll go for uh, Endless Winter. Um, just because it's just fun, it's just kind of a comic book. It doesn't. I don't have to really think about it. I just turn the pages, uh, and it was an it was a very satisfying conclusion. Um, not that I guess not. It wasn't a great conclusion, but it tied kind of almost everything up except for that one little guy who we'll see in Justice League Dark hopefully. So that's my number two. Number one, I think the Batman Annual. Uh, I really love that art style. I I, I like the more down-to-earth story of this um i don't necessarily want to get into bow more but if he's involved with a smaller community of gotham i think i would be interested in that um i think as far as my favorite panel this week the or there's a moment i'll i'll say that my favorite kind of uh, moment was that giant cyber tree where uh, in swamp king's lair um i think that yeah, is where that, that i think that cool. that kind of shot of that big thing is is where i'm at for my best panel also my rating on the anthology is probably a, a seven out of ten all right so my uh top three of the week are gonna have to go the way that i rated them um i uh I rated Batman Annual Number Five a lot lower than I normally would have. If it wasn't for the way that I didn't like the art, it would have easily taken first place. Um, because I did enjoy the down to earth story so much more than the fantastical elements that we were getting for quite a long time. But uh, the art yanked it down for me, so that got it at number three. Number two, I'm going to have to give the Endless Winner number two. I did like that. Um, the uh, the conclusion, it was, overall, it was a fun read. And I guess I placed it at number two mostly because it would be a fun trade to read. Like, if you pick that up here in about six months or so when it's sitting on a Barnes & Noble shelf or whatever, or your local comic book shop, that would be an even better idea. Um yeah that you'll have fun with the story and it's 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 a good quick read uh so that got me at number two number one i'm actually going to give death metal the last two war of the multiverses the 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 last half of the book was fantastic the first half of the book had a couple good stories the batman story was really kind of meh um i wasn't impressed with that much at all um the Lois Lane story was kind of okay. The rest of them were pretty enjoyable. So I, I'm going to give that one 
10 number one. Um, my favorite moment this week would have been when Swamp Thing sacrificed himself to put an end to the evil version of himself. That uh, it completely obl- obliterated who he was, but uh, he did what he had to do, as everybody knows Swamp Thing always would. So that's my favorite moment of the week. Now it's time for The Biggest Thinker. Oh, that's nasty. Uh, ooh, that's a tough one, actually. Hmm. Well, I, I, on this one, I'm going to say the story, and I think um, I think the Lois Lane one is my big... The Lois Lane story is my big stinker of the uh, of the week. Lois Lane story? I can I can see where you came from on that one. Um, mine is gonna be the Batman who laughed. Uh, that I just it it did not sink home for me. It was completely unnecessary. I didn't see a reason for it. It didn't entertain me. Um, it 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 was a quick read, and that's pretty much the only positive thing that I've got to say about the story. Unfortunately, I just did not like it. <laughs> So that is my biggest stinker this week. And that is the show. As always, thank everyone for listening. We always appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day to hear what we have to say. Uh, we would love talking about our this stuff with all of our followers and fans and listeners. So please reach out and contact us, notarobotpodcast at gmail.com or at any of our Twitter handles. We love talking about this stuff with people, so hit us up. Visit campsite.bio forward slash not a robot to find us on your favorite podcast. Visit campsite.bio forward slash not a robot to find us on your favorite podcast platform. And patreon.com forward slash not a robot podcast for early and exclusive additional content for as low as a dollar a month. Get in there before January 7th and get your chance to win a $25 digital gift card. Notarobotpodcast.com will take you everywhere you need to go, so visit there. And until next time, be good to each other. And don't be a robot. A Dark Knight's Metal Universe twisted version of Dark Knight's Metal. Isn't that something? I guess they felt... Yeah, Snyder, Snyder, this Snyder, big time. 